Hello, hello, hello. Hey, 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 this is Laura. And this is Ardeen. Welcome to What Happens After Dark. Woohoo! Paranormal Day. day. Wow. Are you guys ready? I am ghoulily ready. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I probably didn't say that right. Ghoulily. Ghoulily ready. <laughs> so we're going to do an episode about... Um, some cemeteries that we visited. It was so fun. But I would like for you to share your elevator experience oh, that you gosh. have going on here. So I just moved into this apartment complex here in Salt Lake City. It's five stories up. I live on the fifth floor. And I noticed from day one when I would load the elevator with stuff that the door like it was almost shut and it was like somebody put their hand in it and it reopened but when my mom or other people were loading this did not happen okay and so i just you know i was like faulty elevator whatever Mm -hmm. and i i mean i didn't pick up on anything right away and then it but it's i've now been here for January like four months going on five months and um, gosh that's gone by fast anyways it happens um, often to me now when I take Millie out mostly well it happens on the top when I'm going down and on the bottom and so the some of the experiences I've had has been like when you can I can feel a difference in the way that things feel when the elevator starts to open again. Like I said, it almost is shut, almost. And then it's like somebody stuck their arm in and it, so it so bounced back. back. Okay. And Millie and I have been standing at the very back wall of the elevator, so mm-hmm. it's not like it's picking up sensor of us. Yeah, it's like this, and the feeling that I get, it's like, the temperature doesn't drop, but I just, I can feel the presence there. Like there's definitely like something cold there. cold air coming in? Yeah. Like it's just, it's so indescribable. I just know that there's a presence there and it's, it's different. And so, um, the last time that this happened was last week and it got in on the fifth floor and I was like, okay, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm used to riding with you now, whatever. Yeah. Um, as I went to get off on the first floor, I felt something on my back, like a hand, and it pushed me forward. And I literally was like pushed out of the elevator. Like I went out so, like it was so crazy. It was so forceful. And so um, I was like, I just remember I turned around. I was like, not cool. You don't yeah, get to do it's, that. It's testing to see how far it can go with you. Yes. And it's getting... It, it only gets aggressive if you get scared and you don't stop it. Yeah, I, I was, I'm not scared of this. Like I said before, I've seen, I see a lot of spirits and stuff, mm-hmm. but um, my daughter Ash, too, when she came, she's had a couple experiences on it as well, oh, where really? she okay. has felt a presence. If for her, she gets really like a tummy, like, feeling. Oh, nauseous, yeah. Yeah, and so the last time she wrote in it, she told me she put like um, wards up on it, so like, um, so that it for protection okay yeah like a barrier yeah so that you know this wouldn't happen but i don't know i feel like it's back and whatever it is i'm going to do some research i want to see if it's tied to the land that this oh, is built on could be. or if somebody died in this apartment complex i don't know i mean it's brand new it's only like almost two years old so it's not like super old but that doesn't mean that you know somebody Someone died didn't here. die yeah and it's stuck here mm-hmm. or maybe even a car accident and right in front of here, maybe. 
And then, I mean, that could be a residual person being here. And so, and I don't mind, like I said, I don't mind seeing spirits because I've always seen them and it doesn't freak me out anymore. But once they start getting physical with me, then I'm like, um, that's when you gotta set the boundaries. Yeah. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. You're not allowed. You cannot do this. You do not have permission. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you don't get to touch me unless I say you can, and I'm never going to invite one to touch me. So you can touch me if you're alive and breathing, and you're hot. And it's a good, you know, like Idris Elba. Yeah. He can do all the touching he wants. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you're alive and chocolatey and (laughs) oh yeah, chocolate is always good for the body. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I tell you. Mm -mm. Yes, so if it's that kind of touching, yeah, by all means, don't stop. But no, these kind of touchings are always not good. And it's leading up to something worse if you don't put a stop to it. Exactly. That's always the case. And I don't want, I mean, my first thing is I don't want anything to happen to Millie. And so I don't know, you know, if, well, I do know that they can attach to animals and cause damage to them. So I, like we you know, like up at Skinwalker Ranch or Uh in one of the episodes or something. I don't know. Anyways, I know that bad things can happen to animals from spirits. Mm -hmm. And so I, yeah, I don't want anything to happen to my move. So no, no, we got, and you got to protect yourself too. Yes. If you don't protect yourself first, how can you protect her? So no, that's definitely important. Yes. I'm going to have to take Sage out to that elevator and be like, and be gone, Satan. Be gone. (laughs) Get the hell out of here god dang it and then spray yes the grounding spray or whatever you gotta use palo santo yep i mean every sunday night i do this to my apartment anyways for Mm -hmm. the protection for the week so i don't mind walking down the hallway with my thing going and just do the whole hallway and And into the elevator to the elevator go back down (laughs) and all the way back up yeah for real yeah if that's necessary if it's getting too aggressive Yep, then I'll just cast By it out. By all means, you got to cast it out. Uh, so, what interesting things did you do this week? Um, just uh, working. I had, I, so I have osteoarthritis in my knees and stuff, so I had to mm-hmm. go get x-rays so do done and, and stuff. And the way that they moved my knees on Friday caused so much pain Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't finish work that day and it was so swollen and I could feel like my kneecap was moving around yeah which I'm used to I mean it does sometimes but yeah that really jacked me up so that was not super fun but um yeah I also have osteoarthritis and I remember when they did the x-rays it was painful it was not fun they're like and then you kind of and then it's like you you can't get it back like they move it a certain way and then you kind of wobble your way out and it's like oh my god just crack right into place please yeah it's not fun and they give you those stupid little blue shorts to put on oh my god okay so she gave me i'm a fluffy person guys i am a fluffy person this tech gave me a size large and i'm looking at them and i'm like that's gonna be like one thigh so I got, I saw where she got them from. So I got in the drawer and there was a bigger size. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Cause I was like, how am I going to squeeze all of this fluff okay. into this tiny little blue short? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're going to laugh when it was my turn. They only had five extra large. Oh gosh. So I had to tie it up and hold it. 
<laughs> I was like, oh my God, this thing is huge. Like, uh, well, but I had to do what I had to do, you know? And so yeah. I'm just holding it, you know, so yes. it doesn't fall down. And then I probably look like the, the kids, you know, how they wear their pants now. Oh, hanging half, down. Yeah, half foot down. <laughs> oh, it was it was not funny. She's like, so sorry, but this is the only size we have. And I opened it, and I was like, oh my god, I can fit like three of me in here. I was like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Let's just get this done and over with. I want yeah. my pants back on. <laughs> I don't know why you have to take off your pants, anyways? It's an X-ray machine, doesn't it? Go through. It should. Yeah. I don't want to wear those little blue shorts. Yeah, I don't like them. But whoever thought of that... is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> needs some bitch slapping. <laughs> Kick their asses. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's get started. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. So I am going to talk about Bingham Cemetery. It's located in Copperton, Utah. So the... The cemetery was also referred um, by some locals as the Kennecott Copper Cemetery. It consists mainly of past residents of the town or the camp, uh, such as like Bingham Canyon, Car Fork, Copperfield, Copperton, Dinkerville, Freeman Gulch, Frogtown, Highland Boy, Lark, Lead Mine, Lower Main, Phoenix, and Telegraph, I guess. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, so the city of Bingham was located just below the Utah Copper, Kennecott Co- Copper Fields, or mines, and it was incorporated in 1904. Wow. 1904. It is a small cemetery, but... It was pretty small. It was pretty small, and we did visit that. We went in person, and the the date range on the were old yeah like in the 1800s to the 19 was, early 1900s and it was deaths. like yeah it was really old it, it was old you can tell it was old and not very well maintained um so but it is clear that um the burials were taking place well before 1904. Uh-huh. You can tell that those were way older. Um, they say the earliest documented um, headstone is from 1824. Holy. 1824. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And one of the headstones uh, shows the date, like the death date, because when you go to headstones, you check what day they died. Yeah. And that was 1873. Wow, so... 1873. And there was other ones that were from 1879. But according to the town board minutes, the cemetery was officially created in 1913. Uh, The cemetery was owned by the Bingham City until 1971 when uh, the mining operations expanded. So the state law mandated that the largest operating government entity assume ownership of the cemetery, um, that being uh, the Jordan School District. Oh, wow. So they own the cemetery. Now? No. Back then? Yeah, yeah, when they say they have to, they bought the cemetery. So they did their best to take care of it and maintain it. It is like an eight-acre ghost town. It hmm. was, I mean... Their business was educating. 
Yeah. You know, so they couldn't take care of it. And then in 2004, um, there's a family that decided to take on the project. Um, they were uh, searching for their ancestors. Uh, so the, the school district kind of inherited it yeah. to them. Uh, it was incomplete. Uh, this, the, there was not a whole lot of cemetery records. So there was not a whole lot for them to start with uh, as far as documentation. And it was with uh, Brad Jenks, the Jenks family. They were part of the Eagle Scout project. Uh, so the efforts continue with Tiffany and Stephanie Jenks. They were from the Girl Scouts. So do you think the documentation was bad because of the age or just lack of, like, total caring about who's yeah, there? Yeah, I think it was just because of the time. There okay. was, you know, back then in the 1800s, There's they like didn't keep a record. record. Uh, and a lot of these mining people were foreigners, so they probably didn't know much about them. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was interesting, but they started this project because they wanted to find out about their ancestors, and that's how they came about and decided they're going to take this on and own it. Mm. So in 2004, 2014, transcribe uh, the headstones, the burial sites into the cemetery. Wow. Yep. Um, they soon learned that the people buried in the cemetery brave ocean crossings and found their way to the USA in search for employment at the world's largest open pit of copper. I think that Kennecott remains, I want to, when we do our Kennecott episode, maybe we can find out, but I think it remains like the largest copper mining facility in the state. In the United, United States. Yeah. I bet it is. I bet it, it is. It is humongous, guys. Like, I don't know if you live in Utah. I mean, it starts at like 201 and it just like goes south. Like, it's so huge. It's huge. I bet it does. And so there was a huge diversity because mm. people came from all over the world looking for you know to Work. get a job sustain their families a lot of them died in the process uh, so they say that there's graves from 30 different countries oh my gosh I think we just saw not just a few but oh, oh my yeah gosh. 30 it's Austria Bulgaria Canada Croatia Cuba Denmark England Finland, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Nova Scotia, Puerto Rico, Poland, Russia, Scotland, Serbia, Spain, Sweden, Turkey, Wales, Yugoslavia, and 38 states in the United States, from the United States, oh plus the 38. What a melting pot. What a time to actually, like just be able to experience all these cultures like i mm-hmm. i just picture in my mind like this big like party of all these Can different you types of people with their different cultures their food yeah and their different way to celebrate things i mean that's gotta that that but i don't know if that was a good thing i don't know you well, know or if it was a clash oh it could have been a clash too because mm-hmm. you know they come from their country, they want their ways, 
and you know somebody else is like I want my way this is how I do things and yeah. it, it could have been good or bad who knows um, yeah but it had a very multi-ethnic background mm. uh, so many of the headstones are in different languages remember yeah. we saw some that looked like they were either German some were in Spanish some Russian ones Russian and English so a lot of their names were Americanized mm. so because they were hard to figure out how to pronounce. Mm -hmm. So, for example, and I, there's no way I can pronounce this, so I'll spell it. This name was B-R-K-L-J-A-C-I-C. -I so they translated that to Blakovic. Wow. There was this other one that was B-U-S-L-J-E-T-A, and it was translated to Bullet. So they kind of translated it phonetically, how yeah. it sound. They kind of, so this one must have been bulletta, and they yeah. did bullet. Yeah. You know, so that's how they kind of changed their names. And that's why I think it's hard to find the history of them because it's not the original name on the gravestone. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of them they never found the family so they could never f send their loved ones back to be buried so they had to be buried here well that's like when my ex-husband's family came from spain because uh vince was half hispanic and then um his dad's side was from spain mm -hmm. and when they came, when the ancestors came from spain it was de la luna mm -hmm. and so they dropped the de la so it was just luna luna mm-hmm mm -hmm. Yeah. So I just feel like we have to fit, you know, to make it easier for, and I feel kind of bad because why should we make it easier just so for the people, the English win and not be able to keep that heritage? Exactly. A little bit makes me yeah. sad about Yeah, it that. makes me sad too that you have to change who you are and mm -hmm. then people get affected by that. Like exactly. all these graves, they didn't know who they really were and where to send them. Families probably didn't never knew if they were dead or alive. Never oh, heard gosh, from them again. Sad. I mean, they came here to make the money to go back and support their families, and some of them never came back. And oh. their loved ones are probably wondering what happened. Did he remarry? Did he met someone? Did he die? Is he sick? Is you know? Yeah. That's very sad, and that's that's what makes me sad about having to change your name or who you are to yeah. fit the new culture that you're into yeah. i think we should be able to accept every culture as they are and celebrate their and culture. celebrate and learn i mean mm -hmm. that could have been so richful yeah you know yes. so the volunteers were stunned uh, to see the parents buried several children and small children due to the epidemics. I think there was the typhoid fever, diphtheria, yeah. and the whooping cough. So a hundred of people, hundreds of people died of the disease that nowadays are 100% curable. Yeah. You you can take care of those. Uh, lots, lots of young men lost their lives in the mining accidents. Aww. Young age, probably within their 20s, 30s. Yeah. Uh, some suffered violent deaths and even murder. Yeah, I can't imagine what those violent deaths were. 
probably being crushed in a machine. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Mm-mm. I can't even. No. Or maybe by a boulder that fell down. Or I just, mean, it's just personal conflict between them too. Yes. You know, you don't know who came here. You know, some could have been criminals, criminals and yeah, to avoid the law came over mm-hmm. here. Um, so that's weird. So the burials in the old historic section was mostly laborers, mm. uh, and they were not able to send back to their natives uh, for a proper burial. So it's it's heartbreaking to see a hundred of the deaths were under age thirty. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's they too haven't young. Even begun living yet. Exactly. And some of their families are buried together in unmarked graves, only with one parent's name on the grave. So in, so in the graves we saw them, it could have had multiple people. Multiple people, people and oh they were just gosh. had, like, the dad's or the mom's name in it. Yeah. But the kids were in there buried with them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gosh, I've got chills. Oh, yeah. Oh, so times past were hard for these people as they suffered through several wars and the Great Depression. Uh, there was a flood, fire, vandalism, and the effects of time-damaged metal markers and some headstones. So the volunteers were able to capture history with a digital photograph, and it's a GPS grave mapping. It's like a mowing machine, mm. and they kind of go, and that's how they can see by the different textures of the ground what's there and that's how they identify them they can dig and find and try to give them you know a proper burial and find them that way so in this process they have discovered 1800 plus burials from 30 nations and 38 states there were some heroic military veterans of seven wars and fallen police officers more than 1100 people in unmarked graves were not recorded in the cemetery records and have been forgotten and you know when we went it was like when you're giving me these numbers, I'm like, how did they fit all these people? Because it wasn't like it wasn't huge. that big. It wasn't that big. So, yeah. but I guess um, they are. That's something that they're still working on. Yeah. The family are determined to try to find something to honor all these people. Yeah. And I guess you can donate to the sponsor. Uh, it's called Someone Special Cemetery Pavilion. Or you can email the Jenks family for more information. It's info at binghamcemetery.com. It's a wonderful project that they're doing and they're taking on. So. And it's the whole family. Bless their heart uh, for all their efforts and to all the volunteers that have mm-hmm. been helping them create and restore that cemetery that history yeah. uh, so here comes the good part are yeah. you ready I am ready <laughs> so we went there yes it was interesting interesting to say the least and it was so snowy though I feel like we missed so much I, I hope we can go back when it the snow has melted away and maybe we can see maybe more. we can see a lot more it yeah. didn't seem like there was that many but most of them were probably covered with the snow. Oh, yeah. It was very snowy, guys. It, it was cold oh, it was as cold. heck. But um, 
There was a grave at the very end, at the corner. It was a nine-year-old boy. Now, we're in the snow, cold, very and cold. you. I felt like the tombstone had a heater. Yes. There was heat coming out of the tombstone. You put your hands, and it actually warmed you up. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I do have a picture that we will share. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Share your yours was unbelievable. So the, the broken cross. Oh yeah, that one. Tree. And I remember when we first walked in, we were walking down that, mm-hmm. and I said to you or somebody, "Did you hear that?" Because I felt like I heard like a man's voice or like a or like something. a deep breath. Yeah, and I heard that, and I was like looking behind me and. Keep in mind, this is really like my first, I mean, even though I see spirits and stuff, but I've never like gone intentionally to a cemetery to like investigate. investigate. So this was my first investigation. Um, but as I, I heard that, and then there were points where we heard like babies crying. Oh, yes. And yes. Stuff. And actually, I believe we did capture that on an EVP. Yes, we did. And so the breath, I think also. The we breath, could, we got that yeah. in... Uh, there was someone that I said, well, if you're here, can you come say hello? And right after, there's a, a, a woman's boy, hello. Yeah. They're a little faint, so I'm going to have to find a program to kind of clear it so it could be a little more like, audible. Yeah. So, but if you have the headphones on, you can clearly hear these EVPs. Yeah, and we're te- like, there's two of us that are being, te- we're testifying to you that this did, we hear it, because I know there's a lot of skeptics out there, but yeah. it's for real. It's for real, and we have no reason to lie. We have no reason no. to make it up. We don't expect anything. We're doing this for you. We're doing this for fun because it's a dream of ours, yeah. something that we both, you know, connect with. And it's for sure. For it's real. for sure, for real. I I would not make it up. I would not lie. I no. would not tamper or do anything no. just, you know, to make it yeah. famous or anything. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But this is what yeah. happened. And yes. then tell them about the tree. Yep. Well, before with the tree, when Ardine was standing at that nine-year-old's grave, and, yeah. oh. I, and I was at another grave site, and it was so sad because it was, you can tell it had originally been like a cement cross, but it had broken, and so they had stacked it in three levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bent over, and I put my hand on it, and it's giving me goosebumps now, but I could feel or see, like, it was just so crazy to me, but I, like... I remember, like, I could, this is where I heard children. I heard a child. And also, um, like, I could, I didn't see their deaths. But also, so this wasn't the first time I saw, like, what happened. There was another section where, and I'm trying to remember, but it was a row. There was, like, a row of Mm -hmm. children. And as I bent over, I could see that they they had died of disease. And it was... Um, the word yellow kept coming to me, like yellow, yellow fever. fever. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing at this broken cross one, it, they had died of disease. And um, it was just so overwhelming and I could see it and I could hear it mm-hmm. and that they did have suffering. Like there was suffering that went along with that and it made me so sad, so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ardina and I then went, We there was this tree and I felt so drawn to it. The first time we went, 
by it, I had stood there by myself and kind of touched it. And I could feel the energy from the surrounding, like, grave sites, you know, Mm -hmm. just flowing through that. And not screams, but, like, just an overwhelming feeling of, like, sadness. And I really feel like, like Gardine said, a lot of these men, these young men had died of, like, horrible accidents. Mm -hmm. And I felt like through this this tree they were able to like convey that to me a little bit and just for a flash I could just feel like and see that there was suffering attached to that but then our dean came by me and we took a picture and what did we see an orb on my belly yep there's a, and you were seeing green orbs and you yes, asked right. me what are the green orbs I said well that's when um a spirit is trying to manifest and trying to form so they start as an orb and then they start expanding and when we took the picture it was actually like the orb one is starting to expand Stand. it's on my belly and we were in the shade because we didn't want to be in the sun yeah. because you know it hurts your eyes so we stood in a shaded area and the whole tree covered us so it was yeah. all shade there was no light coming through so there's no way we could have it was a reflection of the light? sun or anything. No. There was no light. So that was very cool, very interesting. Um, so, And we didn't discover that orb until we went back and looked at the picture. And, yeah. and we came here and it's like, what is that? Yeah, like Ardeen got here to my house and she's like, I got to show you something. <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to make sure it wasn't just me excited, yeah. you know. I wanted to see yes. if, if you saw the same thing. You're like, what's that little light thing on your belly? And I'm like, that's exactly what I mean. And I'm like, and, and she has pictures before in the same spot, and there's no light. No, no. There's no light. Yeah. So it's it was very exciting. It was really cool. Yeah. I have to say, it was so cool. Then when we got back to the car and we were trying to light the Palo Santo because we thought we need to like... To cleanse it. <laughs> the wind was blowing and we couldn't get the thing to light. It was so It was funny. so fun. <laughs> and we're all bunched around trying to make sure the wind doesn't shut the, the lighter. lighter. <laughs> I was like, no, that was a disaster. We have to come up with something yeah. better. Yep, yep, yep. And so we have fun information exciting mm-hmm. information and it's something we can't wait to do mm-hmm. so the Kennecott mining uh, usually will be open for tours from March to October is it this first year that they're starting or is that something they've done they've done it in the past and it's the tours of the old part of the mine so it's like the original part of the mine that's gonna be insane that's gonna, gonna be, be crazy and i cannot wait to do that yeah I i'm excited wait. i'm so excited. so we will have some evidence now and then we might upload more later down the road and when maybe we have the them. day we tour that maybe it'll be sunny and not snowy we can go back to the the graveyard and, and see if we could get more oh yeah we could yeah. do that and have like a an update episode yeah do and we can cover the Kinnicott mining yeah and do a little bit of that history and make it part of that episode yeah i think so, that'd be powerful uh, absolutely more mm-hmm. to come for this cemetery this cemetery was insanely active in and it was it was 4 30 in the afternoon yeah it wasn't even at night so i can't even imagine if we were to stay there at night what we would experience oh my gosh i bet we'd have some cool stories oh tell. yeah i bet yeah mm. it, and it was it, the richness of diversity was something that stuck with me too and i just feel for those people so, oh yes know. yes well after that we were so adventurous 
we were just <laughs> turned on. We were like ready to keep going. So we went and visited the Salt Lake City uh, Cemetery, or I think they call it the American Avenue Cemetery. Mm-hmm. So there's two particular tombstones that they're very famous for. And one is Lizzie Gray. And on her graveyard, it says, killed by 666 beast that's what her headstone says and it has the dates when she was born and when she died so her tombstone is located in 200 north street the plot is x the block is one the lot is 169 and the grave is number four so it's towards the very end and back of the the cemetery. The cemetery, because this cemetery is humongous. It's like its own city. It is. That's why it has those street names and stuff. And I just, I've lived in Salt Lake for so long, and I didn't even know about the cemetery. And when you first drive in, like, it, you have no idea. But as you go through it, I was so overwhelmed well, at the vastness. Mm. I can't even, until you guys go there or look it up, You, ha- it's mind-blowing. How I've never seen a cemetery that big. So huge. Yeah. It has like a Jewish sex- section. Mm-hmm. It has like a Catholic section. It's just... It's ginormous. And it's beautiful. Some of those graveyards, the tombstones, are unbelievably beautiful. Yes. yes. Beautiful, beautiful. There was a, a child that you. it's lifting up from the wheelchair, and it's finally flowing and free from whatever kept her in the in the wheelchair. wheelchair so it's like she's free and she can finally walk it's beautiful it's very beautiful it, you can visit it during the day yeah so we're going to talk about lily gray so the secret behind the cryptic lily gray the victim of the beast 666 so it rests with her own apparently nutcase husband, Elmer. In an appeal to the Board of Pardons at the state of uh, Utah State Prison, where Elmer Gray was located at the time, he claimed his parents died of grief when uh, kidnaps, kidnappers murdered his wife. Hmm. So that was his previous wife. Then he married Lily Gray three years later, and Lily died eight years after that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It gets, it gets interesting. So according to Utah State Historical Society, which feels uh, frequent questions about Lily, she died of natural causes. She was uh, 77 years old, but Elmer blamed her death to the Beast 666, which to him, it was the government, in particular, it was the Democrats. So that's who he called the Beasts were. Okay, and if you live in the state of Utah, you know it's conservative, Republican, uh-huh. and they do view Democratic people as like... Devilish. Yeah. I'm sure. And so he, he was kind of cuckoo in his, yeah. in his mind, too. Um, so for Cocoa Pups? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So the company that made the headstone recalls that Lily's family hated Elmer so much. And when he died in 1964, he was buried in the same cemetery, but he had to be as far away as possible from her grave. So she is in one end, and he is in the completely opposite end of the cemetery. Oh, my word. Yes. So 
Lily Gray was born in June 6, 1881 and died November 14, 1958. So little is known about her and her life before she moved to Utah in 1950. Her death certificate indicates that she was born in Canada to Wilmer and Frances Gray in, on June 4, 19, 1880. But it's not clear why the headstone said that she was born in June 6, 1881. There's like a year difference there. They don't know why. So it appears that her family might have immigrated to the USA showing up in Michigan in the 1900s, 1910, according to federal census. Um, there's probably quite a story about her life in the years between living with her parents and marrying Elmer, but there's really not a whole lot about her. Yeah. Um, there's more about him. So according to Utah State Prison Commitment registry entry in 1937 he had a prior record in what may be the Genoa Indian Industrial School in Nebraska so the Missouri State Prison the Oklahoma State Prison and the Colorado State Prison oh my so he had a life of a criminal so he was always in prison Mm. and when he met her and married her he was in prison Wait, 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 wait. I didn't, okay, wait. Were they pen pals? I have no idea how. I think it'll, it'll tell us how okay, they okay. met. It does. So he was uh, sentenced 1 to 20 years for burglary in the second degree on August 8, 1937, at the age of 56. He was an old man robber. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, he served, he served 11 years. Despite multiple denied applications to the Board of Pardons every year of his inca- incarceration and offers from the family to take care of him, he was finally released on July 7, 1948. Mm. So he, yeah. And in this application for termination of sentence that first opened up, the research possibilities for those interested in the case of Lily Gray. Ilmer's application is about as unusual as her grave. Hmm. Yeah, he had accusations of being kidnapped by five Democrats <laughs> officials after a decade and being imprisoned. Elmer applied for an end of his forced termination a year later. He applied again in a possibly more sober manner, (laughs) was granted in his release. So I guess he kind of liked to drink. So the actual case file, you can look it up. It's on the Utah 3rd District Court of Summit County. Uh, You can view the criminal case file online using alias Woodrow Lamb. Oh, wait, so he didn't, that was like his second name that he would use? Yes, so, and I think the Woodrow family were very well known. Oh, they were very prominent in the um, LDS church. Okay, so Elmer was charged on August 8, 1937 as follow. Mm -hmm. This is what is on the actual court transcript. That the said Woodrow lamb at the time and place of foresaid in the nighttime of the said day, did willfully 
burglariously, unlawfully, and feloniously breaked in and entered the building known as Camas Confectionery in Camas County of Summit, the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. Said building being then and there occupied by Douglas Simpson with the intent the goods and shadows then and there being in said building then and there willfully unlawfully and feloniously to steal and take and carry away those are the legal terms yeah I like guess. the charges yeah makes no sense but you know just say he went in took stuff and took yeah. off he entered a plea of guilty and was sentenced to an undetermined uh, time in the state prison of Utah on September 11, 1937. And that tells you how long that Utah uh, prison had been there before they rebuilt it. They just recently rebuilt it. And um, yeah, so there's a brand new prison out towards Magna, but I did not know that that prison was that old. Yeah. Can you imagine doing an investigation in that? I know. I oh, know. that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be kind but of. But are they going to tear it down? Yeah, actually, property uh, people have bought it. They want to build homes on there. <gasps> Woo! I would not buy a There's going to be Mm-mm-mm. activity when they're building because when you start stirring up what was oh, old, yeah. things get really crazy. And then once they're done, people are going to experience a lot of things. Oh, yeah. Because you know, in a prison, people are always dying getting killed getting murdered raped and god knows what else they get shanked oh yeah shank <laughs> but yeah i would not buy they couldn't pay me enough to buy a house there i wouldn't no knowing what was there before i wouldn't even want to be a construction worker on that site no because the things that are going to happen to them yes things that they might possibly bring home oh that's that's going to be interesting people don't think they just, I don't know. They just think of the money. Yeah, that's what it comes down it's to. It's all after the money. That's yeah. what it comes down to. And the greed doesn't let him, or skepticism. People don't believe in that stuff. Yeah. But when it starts happening, then it's like, oh, okay, there's something going on. Yeah, yeah. So, now we're going to talk about the marriage of Lily Gray to Elmer Gray. Fifty Shades of Gray? Oh, totally. <laughs> I would say a hundred shades of gray with these two. But it's not as good as the If you see the picture of her, <laughs> there, I have a picture of her to share. And she looks crazy. She looks weird. Oh, gosh. So I can see why she would fall in love with someone. Like this. That, you know. Maybe she felt desperate. I don't know, but... Yeah. yeah, her picture is something else. So whatever may have brought Lily and Elmer together remains to be. <laughs> it's a mystery. It is. Uh, they married in Elko, Nevada. Oh, that's a small little town. Is it? You know, oh, yeah. you've been there? Oh, okay. uh, yeah, Elko is very small. Okay. They married in July 7, 1952. She was 72 years old. When they got married? When they got married. And she probably was married before, but there's not a whole lot about her life. So while he was 71 years old um, and less than five years out of prison, 
Elmer may have been living in Salt Lake City already with a city directory entry of 1952 on 20 Angelo Avenue. That's Is that in Salt Lake? Salt Lake City. That's okay. Seems like that was his address at the time when they mm-hmm. got married, and then Lily joined him in 1953, and then they moved to an address on uh, 116 West Apricot Avenue, and they lived there until 1956. So what we need to do is go look at that house. Those houses, if they're still there, oh, and take those that. pictures would be nice because mm. they don't have those. I think one of them. The last one, the one on Pacific Avenue, I think there's a picture of that. But I don't think the first two original houses are there. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just thought there might be a lot of activity at those houses. I'm sure whatever house is there now, maybe there is. Um, uh, So, and then after that in 1956, then they move to 767 West 300 North. Mm. They moved a lot, and then they finally moved to 1216 Pacific Avenue in Salt Lake City, and that's where they lived until they passed. Okay. Uh, They died, uh, she died between 1958 and 1959. Okay. Yeah. So the death in Utah. Despite the numerous theories and speculations... Lily died of natural causes mm. in November 14 of 1958 after being a week in the hospital. Okay. Yeah. Her obituary was very short and to the point. Uh, yeah. Her family really didn't say much. Um, it was just the craziness of her husband that thought she got kidnapped and killed by these Democrats. Oh, my gosh. And that's why he he put that he, she died she died first so he put it on the headstone yeah you know victim of the 666 beast he was probably the beast he was the devil one 666 he's the devil yeah uh who knows what what made him what he did to her so it said on her obituary miss mrs lily edith gray 78 1216 Pacific Avenue died Friday at 11.10 a.m. in Salt Lake City Hospital of Natural Causes. But it doesn't say what what natural causes. Maybe her heart gave out or something. Something, probably. She was born June 4, 1880 in Canada. Salt Lake City resident since 1950. Married to Elmer Lewis Gray on July 10, 1952 in Elko, Nevada. Survivors, several nieces and nephews. That's it? That's it. Wow. You can see that in the Desiree uh, News for November 15, 1958 and page 58. I might actually look that up. I want to see. Yeah. That's that crazy. insane. So Elmer's life came to an end at the Snyder's Rest Home a few years later from a stroke, uh, likely due to his Parkinson's disease. So I guess he ended up with a Parkinson's disease, and he was in a nursing home. Yeah. Yeah, Parkinson's, that's an awful, that just destroys you mentally and physically. 
Isn't that the one where you shake? Michael J. Fox has that. He has it where he shakes, right? And it's uncontrollable. Yeah, they can't control their bodies. Oh, yeah. So, so Lily, meanwhile, was unmarried and still living at home. Uh, So she, after her death, um, it looks like she had a twin sister. (gasps) Oh, she had a shortly after the death of her twin sister, Lily would marry. Uh, this is a little bit that they know before she met Gray. Uh, she would marry for the first time. She married an, a man named Richard Walsh in Chicago, Illinois, in October 8, 1918. Mm-hmm. At that time of their marriage, she was 67. He was 67, and she was 38. Oh, wow. Yeah, so big difference there, like almost 30 years. Yeah. Uh, their marriage didn't last very long. However, as Richard died a few years later in December 1925, is there a pattern like they're all dying a few years? Yeah, and it could, I mean, it could be the times too. There was so little like medical things they could do. I mean, who knows? Or That's they, true. Yeah. That's true. Then uh, it says her second marriage took place less than a year after Richard's death. The widowed Lily married Frank Zimmerman in November of 1926, much closer in age. Lily was 46 at the time and Frank was 50. It seems they might have been, they might have met through work. Mm. Uh, In the 1930 census states that they both work at the post office in Chicago. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Lily and Frank were married for 17 years until his death in 1943. Mm. And then in 1950, for reasons uh, that haven't been able to be figured out, Lily Zimmerman packed up and head to Salt Lake City. And that's... She just wanted a fresh start. I wouldn't blame her, yeah. Yeah. And that's where uh, she would meet her third husband, Elmer Lewis Gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do want to tell you. So are we going to tell our personal experience at that grave? Should we do that one? Yeah, let's do those experiences and then we can move to, to Emo's, Emo's grave. grave. Or do you want to do Emo's grave and then? No, let me tell. I just, I feel like I yeah. need to say this. It's just so crazy. Say it. mm-hmm. So like when, so our dean got to the grave first along with uh, Sh- uh, Shai and Yoya. And then, because I was like, I don't want to trace through this now, but I felt like I needed to go there. And so our dean was saying to me something about Elmer and called and said, oh, she was saying, it's okay. You know, we're so sorry about what happened to your, you know, with your husband. And like my voice changed like I've got super big bumps right now um my voice changed and you guys will see this in the video is it it's in, the in video? a video and also mm-hmm. on the recording um mm-hmm. I was just kind of trying to sympathize with her to see if she'd come through and, and she and got says, sorry for everything you, you went through with your husband and that's when you got that reaction yeah and it just all the only thing that came to my mind was, and I even fumbled getting it out, was mm-hmm. don't say he's my husband. And then mm-hmm. my mouth was bound and I could not, I literally could not say anything else. I felt like something was like holding my mouth shut and choking me. And I had, and then I just started walking away and I got about 10 feet away and I was able to like take that deep breath and mm-hmm. be able to talk again. But she literally bound my mouth. Yes, and you can tell in the video how you're having that difficulty. Like, you're mm-hmm. trying, you're like, 
choking yeah. on your words. It was way It weird. was insane. That was weird. So, yeah, we'll share that. Yeah, for that, sure. was, that was my experience at Lily Grace. And I, if I ever visit there again, I won't refer to that man as her husband. I know. <laughs> I was just trying to say, you know, sorry, all the crap you went through with this guy. And then. Well, maybe on the other second side. Second you said husband. He's probably torturing and God knows what. Oh, poor woman. Anyway, so. Then after that, there's another famous grave um, in Salt Lake City Cemetery. It's called the Emo's Grave. It's uh, Jacob Moritz's grave. So his tombstone is located on 200 North and Center Street. So there's an entrance there that when you drive in, it's it's like what? Mm -hmm. It's like right there. Yeah, maybe, what, 10, 15 feet up? Of, yeah. yeah. It's not even that far from the entrance. It's mm -hmm. right there. And it's hard to miss. It's so big and so notorious. We'll share the picture. So if you come through that entrance, you'll see uh, it. You'll see. You can't miss it. It'll be on the right side. I got to say, it was very interesting, His the way they have that, his tombstone. Yeah. Or, well, the little house, whatever yeah, it's called. Yeah, because it's right on the... The, the you step in his grave is right there yeah it's like right at the edge so it's very interesting there's no plot information no block but it's it's hard to miss once you see the picture of it um so this gravesite throughout the years is said to have had an evil presence uh, it's a legend that has been perpetuated by teenagers and ghost hunters for decades visitors who never knew the man, have sought at the burial site of Jacob Moritz, a.k.a. Elmo Emo's grave. Uh, no one is sure how the grave got its name, who put the name Emo's grave or why, uh, but it was originally a small crypt that held the cremated remains of Jacob Morris, a local man who ran a successful brewery in Salt Lake City in the early 20th century. You know, I wish he still had the business for our know. wine idea. I know, right? Oh, my God, you know. <laughs> but in the state of Utah, they shut that stuff down. Like, it's really hard to get a liquor license here. I mean, it's so the it's so driven by the church. Church and state is not separated oh. in the state of Utah. That's sad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess Morris was a well-known and well-loved local politician uh, who was also freely gave freely to charitable organizations. Uh, he was very well respected by both the Jewish and Mormon communities. Mm. Both. Hmm. So just six months or six months after setting out on a European trip. With his wife, in 1909, Moritz died of stomach cancer. His wife had his ashes interred at the burial site. So that's where they kept. It was an urn, mm -hmm. and she had it back then, the ashes. And for de decades, uh, locals were lured, lure and say that they, if they light a candle and walk around the grave three times, chanting emo, 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 three times when you go around, that once you stick your head in the window in this crypt, you can see two red glowing eyes staring right back at you. Mm -mm. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a it's a large metal door on the crypt, yeah. and it had a window. But now, because of all the vandalism and all the things they were doing, they blocked it. It's all metal now, so you can't look inside his grave anymore. Yeah, it's just like a rusted metal sheet. Yeah. it's just it's huge, but it's it's sad. People yeah. can't respect so they would like break the window trying to get a little bit of his ashes and that's things just, like that it's so sad stupid. it's sad yeah but it's still believed that if you can see emo's red eyes outside the crib at night mm-hmm. and from a personal perspective and I'm sure Laura agrees with me. You always want to be respectful yes. when you're in a cemetery. I think just as much as us being alive deserve respect, so does the dead. Yes. So you 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 have to treat them with that respect. It's just dishonorable not to. I agree. Yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the life of Jacob Moritz. Um, he was born in... Ingenheim, Germany in February of 1849 and immigrated to the United States in September of 1865 at the age of 16. Oh, wow. Little child. Yeah, just a young man. I know. And so after spending a couple years in New York City uh, working at the FM uh, Schaefer Brewing Company. He moved to St. Louis, where he worked at Anson Anheuser Busch, like that beer, I yeah. think. Uh, and determined to try his hand at mining, he eventually made his way to Helena, Montana. Uh, It's unknown whether he wasn't successful at the mining or just wanted to get back into brewing. But in 1871 is when he moved to Salt Lake City and opened um, uh, the Little Montana Brewery. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Within a few years, Jacobs, the Art of Brewery on 10th East and 5th South, remaining in the Salt Lake City Brewing Company, Part of what was once a large brewery is still standing. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it's um, it's now uh, an anniversary in bed and breakfast. Oh. But nice. I think because... Hold up. Oh, my gosh. It just hit me. Brandon and Ashley. Okay, so my oldest daughter and her husband, for like the first three years of their marriage, they always went to the anniversary inn to, to stay the night and to... They would go there and stay the night, and the oh rooms are like all the rooms are themed differently. Mm-hmm. We should stay there one night. Oh yeah, I mean there, I mean there are pictures that they sent me. Those rooms were they have a twilight room, and you know how I love twilight. Oh yeah, we gotta stay. We gotta stay. Yeah, and see it's if we pretty dang cool. But right when you said that, I was like, oh my gosh, anniversary in. So that used to be the brewery. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they keep some parts of the brewery there. I know nowadays when you remodel or you're going to do something and it's a historic place, you have to keep... um, You have to maintain some resemblance of of the historic part of it. Yeah. Um, Like um, in Minnesota, I used to work for a property company and they bought the A-Mill. Pillsbury, oh. and they had to maintain almost 60-70% of the historic part of it, oh. and that massive 
reconstruction to turn it into an apartment complex was unbelievable because even one of the walls was tilting. So they had to build like a barrier to keep that wall from crumbling, going down. They had to protect the wall. They have still the tunnels. I mean, that's another story. But yeah, so where it's located now is 460 South, 1000 East in Salt Lake City. We need to go to this brewery. We definitely need to go and stay in at that hotel. Yes. Yes. So over his 39 years in Salt Lake City, Jacob Morris grew his brewery to be one of the largest outside of Milwaukee. His beer was sold throughout Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, Arizona, Colorado, and even parts of California. Oh, wow. He made it big. At the height of his success, he also owned over 36 saloons. In 1889, he married La Gila Luizon from Hawaii, and she joined him in Salt Lake City. They were both extremely active with the local Jewish company, I mean community, sorry. He served a president of a temple, Benai Israel, and she was the leader of the Hebrew Ladies Relief Society. Oh, wow. Nice. Not only was he a successful brewer and a businessman, but he was also involved in Utah politics mm-hmm. with the Liberal Party of of course. The Democrats that uh, Mr. Elmer would hate. Yeah. <laughs> the 666 piece. <laughs> Despite the fact that he made his fortune by the production and sale of the alcohol, and also that he was involved in less popular liberal politics, he was embraced by Utah's Mormon population. Interesting. And from all accounts was extremely popular and well-liked altogether. Uh, In October 1909, he was issued a passport, and shortly after that, him and his wife left the United States to go to Europe. So Mr. Moritz had been in a poor health for a few months, and they thought the rest, along with the local mineral springs, would help him. So it was just, they probably related it to all the stress and the busyness, and to get away would help, but by June in 1910, they had made their way to Germany, and it was there that Jacob Morris succumbed to the effect of lung cancer and stomach cancer. Oh, man. Yeah, his wife's and siblings were present when he died at the age of 61. That's not that old. No. And here's where the legend of Emo's graves begin. So according to the newspaper article that announced his death, uh, Lahila and her husband cremated with the intention to en- enter his remains in the mausoleum located in the Jewish section of the Salt Lake City Cemetery. Yeah. So Lahila returned to the United States from Europe on the 23rd of July. Uh, Jacob's remains were sent in bond and arrived on the 25th. His remains were interred in the mausoleum sometime after July 31st, but could not find no mention on the funeral or any ceremony. Shortly after his remains were placed in the mausoleum, the rumors about Emo's grave began. It's not know who or what started the rumors 
or where the name Emo even came from, but Lahila remarried not long after Jacob's death and uh, moved to her new husband's, you know, to be yeah. with her new husband in California. So his grave was removed and given to his family. But it's not known where they were eventually, you know, re-entered him. Um, So they suspect it was probably taken to California and possibly buried uh, with Lahila when she died in 1959. Oh. Yeah. So our personal experiences. Yeah, it was pretty wild, I gotta say. We saw a lot. We did. We saw, felt, experienced. It was just, it was a lot. We saw a lot of deer. Oh, yeah. We saw a fox. (laughs) We did see a lot of deer. Oh, and they were beautiful. They were so beautiful. So, some signs say that, you know, oh, when we were going around uh, Emo's grave, we tried to do that. Um, So, we parked the car. Yeah. And we started walking. And as we were walking through these graves before his, because it was, we we walked on the street after. Yeah. So we had to come across a lot. And our equipment started malfunctioning, right? There were some big graves there, too. Yeah, there was some big graves and a big tree that was off to the huge, um, north of it. It was huge, 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 huge. And it was beautiful graves. So you, you could, they were must be pretty important people or yeah, if they're Jewish the money you know the money so my EVP I was trying to record a voice you know and it wouldn't it wouldn't start it would just shut off shut off shut mm-hmm. off shut off it would turn on and shut off it wasn't working so I said fine I'll just take off my phone um, and then the girls uh, Shai and Yoya they were trying to take pictures and film now, Shy, the battery died. Yeah, the camera died instantly, even though it was full. It was full, brand new batteries. Mm-hmm. This is very typical. When they're trying to manifest or they want to interact with you, they have to absorb energy from somewhere. Somewhere. So yeah. the most common energy source is your electric equipment. Yeah. You know, so they try to, you know, suck the energy from there so they can manifest. Wow. And with Yoyam, she filmed, but it's completely black. It's so dark, and, and it, it was, was still not. daylight. Yeah. So I have the same film, and you can see our film, us going around clearly, but in the video camera, it's like it's pitch black dark. Like it, we went there at midnight or something. Yeah, and it wasn't. Uh-uh. I mean, you can see the sun was still even out, mm-hmm. and then her battery drained as well. Yeah. Then we're say I said, well, let's go around three times. So the first time, um, you held on to my shoulders. Yeah, when I walked, our dean, our dean was already at the gravesite, and I was like, okay, and I was like, because I was scared, like because I was feeling <laughs> stuff before we got, got there. There, yeah. And so I like grabbed all the back of her. I'm like, protect me. And but then we start walking. I let go. I know. And so I'm going, and the first circle around the entire grave. I thought Laura was holding on to me because she was scared. And then when we said, right before we said the first emo is when I felt it let go. 
But I thought it was her, so I didn't react. I was like, oh, it's just Laura, and I said, emo. And then I'm like, you got to say emo. And then we went around twice. And when I played the video, I realized she wasn't holding on to me when I thought she was. Yeah. But something or somebody was. Yeah. And that's a personal experience that I can share, but I don't have a way to show evidence other than telling you. But I promise you... I felt and thought, honest to God, it was her. Because I was just completely fine. Because otherwise, if I would have realized, mm-hmm. I probably would have freaked out or said something. Yeah. I would have froze because that's what I do. I would have froze and said, oh, my God, somebody is on my shoulder. Yeah. I would have said something. But I honestly thought it was you. And then I realized when I was playing the video, it wasn't you. Yeah, no, it wasn't me. But all four of us felt something. And this tree off to the left, I could, like, I couldn't see, like, images, but I could see dark, darkness, not in, like, a human figure, but there was definitely something there. Oh, and... And that's when we started having things started to happen with Crazy. the equipment. Yes. It was more than than what we felt in Emo's actual grave. Yes. It was before that. It was even, so. It's like I almost feel like I want to go back sometime when there's no snow. It's not so yeah. cold, and you know, make sure we leave on time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a whole nother story. I gotta <laughs> tell you guys. The sign says it's open until 10 p.m. It is not true. We got locked in. <laughs> oh, my God. So it was, what, 6, 30, 7 o'clock? Yeah. I'm like, oh, we can still go. We go to one street. Locked. The gate is closed. And I'm like, oh, my God. We go to the main door, and I'm like, why is it closed? I mean, it's not time yet. So Shai, Yoya, huh. and Laura were freaking out, and I'm like, we're locked in. <laughs> So I said, we got to find an exit. So we started driving every single exit. And believe me, I think there's like 10 of them. It's so big. Every single one was closed. And I remember when we got out of the car to go see Emo's grave, I saw this black car. Yeah, we saw So I thought, oh, people are still coming in. We're still good. Yeah. And not knowing... After that gate, right by Emo, was still open. Yeah. So had we turned around and gone out that way, we would have been fine. But... Yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know. And so we turned around and got lost. And all the gates were closed. Yeah. And so my thought was, that guy that came in, maybe he's the guy that locks locks the gates. If we can find him we can get out they're all quiet freaking out no there's no way i'm not staying here there's no in hell Nuh-uh. and i'm like it's okay i mean can you imagine what we'll experience if we get locked in here and they're like uh hell no uh-uh no thank you we want to get out so in my mind i'm thinking okay if someone has to stay locked in here i'll stay yeah were you gonna stay with me no, I had to get home to Millie. Like, I oh, couldn't leave right. my dog overnight. I was, like, freaking so out. So I said, and, and, you know, if push comes to shove, I'll have to call Gavin to come get them and take them home. And yeah. I'll be stuck in the car. But luckily, as we were driving around trying to find more exits, we see the car. 
And I immediately honked. I'm like, I am not losing sight of you because we had to go all the way around. And I'm like, I sped up and I'm like, I am going to go after this guy. And I'm like, don't roll down your window because I do true crime. And I'm like thinking serial killer alert. I know. (laughs) She's like, what if he's a killer? Uh, What if he's like an Ed Guy in here to get some corpse? Oh. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was so funny. So we pulled up and I see the guy and I signaled him to open his window and I'm like so do you work here or are you stuck in here like us he's like no I work here and my face is very expressive I can't hide what I'm thinking my face gives it away so I'm thinking what on earth can you possibly work on in a cemetery like what job position can you possibly have i was like you work here like i'm like what at night (laughs) in a cemetery yeah and he's like well actually i'm a police officer from salt lake city and i have to like monitor and see because i guess people do break in to do things stupid stuff stupid teenagers that you know want to do satanic rituals ghost hunting drugs who knows what else so he says i have to monitor and so that's why i'm here and i'm like oh okay well nice and so i'm like so do you have an experience have you ever experienced anything weird anything out of the normal and he says now that you mention it i actually do so I was like, hallelujah. We got yeah. an interview. Without planning it, we got an interview. We got an interview. So kudos and thank you, officer. Yes. We didn't get his name uh, to protect his identity. Yes. But he is a police officer from Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much if you're listening. Uh, we admire you and we appreciate everything you did for us. And oh yeah, he gave us permission to talk about his experience. So one night he was in the car monitoring. He had pulled over just to rest a little bit. It's peaceful, is what he put it in the. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I guess it is quiet. Yeah. But it's eerie. But yeah, he didn't seem quiet. so. And he says he doesn't believe in that stuff, but. One night, he heard the voice of a woman that called out to him, help me, officer. And he's like, who's that? Yeah. So he got out of his car. He got his flashlight. And it was in the summertime. So there was grass. And uh, so he went out and he's like walking with his flashlight. And he kept hearing within 10 feet away from him, officer, and he was coming over and is like, officer, but he couldn't see anybody. He's like, where are you? I can't see you. I can't find you. I don't know where, how to help you. And so he, he realized after the third time he heard officer that there was nobody there. Yeah. So he put the two and two together and figured it was, it was someone's spirit. Yeah. Trying to call out to him. It was a presence. Uh, he said it was not scary he wasn't scared at all and to him it was just beautiful and peaceful yeah it was just his experience yeah and so he was like oh whatever he just went back in his car back to work like nothing yeah oh so we were very lucky that we found him 
Yeah, he did take us to the exit. He took us to the exit that doesn't actually have a gate that we would have never found. Yeah. Because it was behind a building. And once you reach to that little dirt road behind that building, it says exit. But you don't see it from the normal streets. So luckily he helped us and they... Yeah. They relaxed, come down, yeah. thank God we're going home because... Then we were all laughing about it. Oh, we were. I mean, if anybody was going to get stuck, it was going to be us. Yes. I got to tell you. I mean, <laughs> Murphy's yes. Law, right? Yes. It yes. was a freaky deaky moment, but it we was... We survived. We survived. It was fun, and we got the videos and pictures. Yeah. We didn't have any voice, any recordings, because... It shut down. It shut down and it malfunctioned. So we'll mm-hmm. share it whatever we can. Uh, we do have our social media and Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So we are going to share that. Um, and that's the personal experience that we have with yeah. the battery drainage. Yep. Me thinking you were holding on. Yep. You seeing all these black masses and... Yeah, and when we load up what we have, maybe you guys will see the orb from the other cemetery. You know, just take a look at those things. Watch the videos that we do have. and We're forgetting to mention something. What? What you found when we saw my video from my phone. At the end on the little corner, that little tiny orbit oh, yeah. that changes shapes. At Emo's grave, that's right. We were watching the video from Mardine's camera, and in the right-hand corner of the video, you can see a tiny, tiny orb. And I thought, is that a bug? You know, like a... But there's no other bugs, and it's not moving in a... Like how they circle and stuff. It was like zigzag, zigzag, zigzag. And it was like a light, and yes. there's not bugs. It's winter. Yeah. We don't have bugs in the winter. Um, it was at all. really crazy. And then at the end, you can see how it changes and it kind of gets enlarged. Yeah. But when you when you look at it on the video, when we post it online, you have to go to the... If you're facing the video on the right lower corner... That's where you'll see and it. And enlarge it, and then mm-hmm. you'll see it moving in and out, in and out, and then how it, at the end, when it stops, it has this like a meteor shape or something. Yeah. It's very weird. It was so cool. We didn't so, catch it until after. Until you we saw it. Yeah, yeah, I would have never paid attention. It was so small. Yeah. So you have really good um, attention to detail when it comes to evidence yeah. and stuff. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was so cool. It was <sighs> unbelievable. It was so exciting, and we can't wait to do, to more. do more. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, more to come. Yes, and what's our fa- what's our name and stuff on Facebook? So we okay, can so Facebook is Luna Lee, TikTok is Wad W H A D twelve ten, and an Instagram is What Happens After Dark LL. And then we have our Patreon. Do you know what the name of our Patreon site is? I'm not sure. We'll get it written down so we'll we get can it start getting that for, out. out for next episode. Yeah. So thank you so much for being with us tonight. Hopefully um, we're going to end up with uh, a grateful phrase. Yeah. Uh, expect nothing and appreciate everything. Um, the more you appreciate, the more you'll receive. So always be grateful for, for what you have because more will come. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I love this. This is very nice. So we'll leave you with that. And 
And yeah. uh, have a very good night. We'll see bye. you next week. Bye. 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 bye.